Deanna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent romance novels and cocktails podcast. This is season four, episode eight of our romance novel focused podcast. My name's Alana and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Yay. Today we are <laughs> delving into <laughs> we're delving into YA young adult romance and ta- and talking about the book Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell with special guest Naomi who is Alana's younger sister sister hi how are you doing <laughs> I'm doing hi good. younger sister Alana uh, of Alana <laughs> named Naomi I, I don't even deserve a name do I just younger sister of Alana that works <laughs> I'm do you doing... have any embarrassing nicknames from your sister or any of your sisters uh for me or for other for them um Um, i would like to take both (laughs) (laughs) um they used so my name's naomi so they would uh my mom would yell out like naomi like she couldn't do the last syllable so that kind (laughs) of went to gnomes (laughs) (laughs) yeah we did we did call you gnomes a lot we still call you yeah and uh my best friend calls me nene so that works too um but Alana doesn't really have a a nickname, and Susanna. We need to work on that. I know Susanna. Like she would punch me in the arm if I called her Susie, and now everyone in the world calls her Susie, but us. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like such an older sister thing. Yeah, I remember. I like, call her Susie, and she's like, "That's not my name." Punch, and I'm like, "Uh, okay." Yeah, I just like true. to point None out that us. I am also the youngest of the family, and so I'm pretty much on Naomi's side on most of the things. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even though I've been friends with Alana for upwards of a decade. I <laughs> More know. than a decade. You have to you have to be on my side, young younger sibling, like support group. <laughs> my older sister calls me Squish. <laughs> It's cute. I oh, she called me Squishy Bear. That's that's the full name. And I called her Chunky Monkey, and she <laughs> did not like that. <laughs> I bet she punched me. <laughs> See, there's a, there's a theme here of punching, of violence in families. I I can see it. Yay, violence! I remember it was the 90s, and Danny used to always want to try and get us to call him Dice. I do not remember that at all. <laughs> I oh, remember yeah. his uh, blonde tips in his hair, but I don't remember. This <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, before my time. <laughs> With that. Yeah, I want to make the joke that um, we chose young adult because Naomi is on there. And in my head, Naomi is always a young adult, despite the fact that Naomi is now 30. But in my head, she's always like, like you know, in possibly middle school. This is, this is not true. I could teach middle school. I could have this year. <laughs> I chose not to. Like literally right before we were talking about you putting an offer on a yeah. house, right? <laughs> I mean, it is just my first house, not my second house. So I could see yeah. where you could go there. Yeah, that's when you become, that's when you, that's when you get to graduate out of young adults. 
is when it's when you fire. I'm pretty sure when I we're all middle aged, you guys are still gonna think I'm in high school. <laughs> <laughs> same happened to me. The same. But Naomi's also in our family. She's also the peacemaker. That's true. I many mm-hmm. many arguments. I'm the in between person. I like to say it's because I'm the most rational of you guys. Just joking. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Oh man, what did you make for us, Alana? Well, this for us today. Um, so since we're reading Eleanor and Park, mm-hmm. which is YA, I decided I'd make a mocktail. Oh, um, boring. I know. I'm disappointed. <laughs> but you, all you have to do is add vodka to this, oh. and in fact, it'll be. Just great. Did um, you do that? Confirm. Um, may have done that. <laughs> um, so it's a mock mocktail. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's turtles all the way down, basically. <laughs> yeah. In terms of it. And I made um a red drink because one of the derogatory terms for Eleanor in the story is big red. So it is a red drink. And it is um based on something from the New York Times cooking site of their top mocktail recipes. It's called a blackberry cooler. And it's got lime juice, lemon juice, orangeant, orangeant. I don't know how to say it. It's an almond syrup, which I got to buy, um, which, you know, makes this just like any other cocktail because I had to go out and buy something for <laughs> it, which they sell liquor versions of it. It's what's inside of a Mai Tai. Oh. And then it blackberries. And then, um, so you put all that in a cocktail shaker and you shake it a whole lot with some ice. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes it reddish. And then you put it in with some crushed ice. And then you put sparkling coconut water on top. So it actually makes a quite convincing cocktail. Mm. Um, And I think orangey, I think this almond syrup has enough liquor in it that if you drank enough of them, you could probably (laughs) drink. (laughs) But probably not a lot. But they also sell this almond syrup as a, with, with like vodka. So does it taste a lot like Almondy, like um, what's the name of that other almond? I don't know. What is it? What does it taste like? Describe I'm it. Amaretto. It's not sweet like amaretto. It's got kind of like a lemony lime. It kind of reminds me of a pina colada, but it could just be the crushed ice. In terms of options, so yeah, it's it's kind of similar to kind of that pina colada e. It adds that sort of almondy taste to it. Like it has a tropical. It tastes like something that you would that you should be like in a in like a like one of those pools that's also a bar. Like it tastes. Oh like yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. It's summer With, like, too. Um, tiki torches around. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's summery. You know, like it's like a like a summer a summer drink of times. And I I titled it um, "There's Your Eleanor." which is a quote I found in the book from uh, Park's mom at one point. He says, she says, there's your Eleanor. So <laughs> oh, that. yeah, that's sweet. It's like a, you didn't um, call it Eleanor? I... <laughs> <laughs> the last syllable, why is that even? You don't need it. Um, I'm surprised you didn't call it Big Red. <laughs> I thought about calling it Big Red. I should have probably. I also wanted to call it like the quote from the dad when he's like, if you're going to leave, you need a map. Uh, 
as well, which didn't really make sense with the drink at all. But oftentimes I just take a quote from the book and make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or just a fun quote. It, but yeah. Just like, just a fun- so we meet again. You know? <laughs> so we meet again. Exactly. <laughs> or or you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. It should be a wheat, a wheat drink. <laughs> or corn. Uh, I guess most like beers are wheat drinks. That's true. <laughs> that sounds delicious. And I wish you would make the cocktails over here. But here's the thing. I have this boyfriend who makes cocktails for me. So the only reason why I didn't have a cocktail today is because the only thing I have in my house is uh, <laughs> sorghum liquor. Thank you, Alana. <laughs> it was a gift that I gave you that was literally gifted to me at some point. <laughs> I'm sure you are so happy to get rid of it because whew, it's like drinking like nail polish. And then what's the other thing I have? I have a uh, vermouth. I have sorghum leather, liquor and sweet vermouth, which is that would not be a good cocktail. And he's he's refilling my drink right now. It's not bad. Are you drinking anything now? Uh, okay, so I I am. I so the one of the characters is half Korean, and I actually spent a year in Korea, so I went and got some soju. Because I was like, ooh, I really want that. So I was like, I want to do mixed drink with soju. So I put soju, Sprite, and watermelon. So it's very summery. I like simple ingredients because I can't keep track of all that stuff you put in your drink, Alana. That's too much. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. Let's let's do three. That's worth it. Three is good. But I like it. It's also red. It is red. I... I noticed that after I was more of like summery taste. I was trying to think of something for both those characters together because I was like, well, the Korean part, well, he's half Korean and it was soju. And then I was trying to think of another alcohol, but I was like, oh, I don't really know or origin or anything besides just American. So I just went with that. Didn't she say she was like Scottish or something? Maybe. She's Danish. She mentioned she was Danish Danish and. Oh yeah, her mom was Danish. Cause that was during yeah. Christmas time. Missed opportunity. Oh well. <laughs> it's Danish watermelon, yeah. right? That's, That's gotta be. definitely that makes a lot of sense. I love it. Um So, um the book we <laughs> yeah. read Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. And I'm gonna read a little bit about the book. So, set over the course of 1986, this is about the story of two star-crossed misfits, smart enough to know that first love almost never lasts, but brave enough and desperate enough to try. When Eleanor meets Park, you'll remember your own first love and how it's hard and how hard it pulled you under. So, yeah. So it's basically about two characters. Most of the story takes place in 1986. Actually, all of it takes place in 1986. Like we said, Park is half Korean, um, and Eleanor is a redhead and also part of a deeply broken like family situation, right? And the story often uh, is told from both of their perspectives, but kind of the plot arc take um, really involves Eleanor's family. So, what did you guys think of the book? 
Um, so I meant to read this book for a long time. Actually, I think I told a lot of, uh, somewhat a friend of mine who's also named Naomi gave me this book and was like, you're going to love this book. Here's the book. Read it. That was in college. Eight. (laughs) (laughs) How many years? And considering that you're 30, that was probably a while ago. (laughs) Eight years later, it's still in my house and she's, you know, she's. You know, she has just had a baby this year, and I I want to like message her. Hey, I finally read it, <laughs> but I, I I liked it. I like devoured it in three days, which I'm not the fastest reader, even though I love to read. Um, so I thought it was a pretty easy read, but I also felt like it was intense. It was a little like I don't know, dark in some places and angsty. So. Ang- much angst you read a lot of YA don't you because you're uh, a high school teacher <laughs> are you a high school teacher no I'm actually an elementary school teacher I actually teach students that speak English as a second language in elementary but I think I I could have taught middle school the middle the sixth graders went up to middle school and I could have taught it this year I think that's why I mentioned it but I have read YA in the past, but I haven't read it in a while, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. What's your favorite kind of reading choices? Mm, I tend to go for like romance or like fantasy sci-fi. That's usually where I go. I like romance because I like a happy ending. I don't like the sad I was really nervous that there was going to be a sad ending of this book. Yeah. It's got it's got the potential. It really does. Or even like And I yeah. I would say that technically how you interpret the three words on the postcard, it could have a sad ending. Yeah. It could say go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's three words. Or like who are you? Stop. Stop writing. Me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Return to sender. Oh. <laughs> Return to sender. <laughs> oh, no. Or like, you ugly, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would write. Or like, and then I would on. die of happiness. <laughs> move on, loser. Well, I also Thanks. was nervous throughout the story because the situation is so terrible. And, and, and Eleanor is so nonchalant about the fact that, like, every day she comes home and she hides in a room. Um, in her house where she sleeps with her four like four other siblings. Um, and she has to go to bed at seven thirty and she eats separately from her father who eats an entirely different meal and they're all starving. Um, like the whole thing is very like you're just like, Oh god. Massively what abusive thing is going to happen to Eleanor in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean just the fact that there's no it, door on the bathroom. Ugh. Yeah. That in itself is like call child services right now, you know, like (laughs) that's that right there is one thing. Yeah, yeah. And all like all elements of it, right, are are just really, really messed up in terms of. Yeah. But at the same time, I guess as a romance novel, I will say that it has consent issues. Um, Park is constantly touching Eleanor without really having consent right like and she's like always like i didn't say you know 
I, I wanted to say no and then I didn't or whatever. Like it just has a lot of problems where it feels like Eleanor doesn't have control over any part of her life. And there, and it kind of extends to this, this relationship she has in some really icky ways at times in that like oftentimes he will just touch her, you know, without any, any ideas about. And I, I can chalk it up to that the story takes place in 1986, but it's written in by a modern day author um, where you should have a little bit more of an indication of, of consent in this relationship, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like, the like first just on... time. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, the first time he like grabbed her hand, though, I felt like it said from his perspective, like, oh, man, like she doesn't want to hold her my hand. Or something? Am I dreaming that? Yeah, he said, like, can you do hand rape? Like, can oh, you touch yeah. someone's hand? Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I interrupted you. I just... It was, like... You know, like, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Like, this girl needs basic stuff. Her basic needs are not getting met. She's in this shitty-ass position in her family that she can't get out of. And and I'm just kind of like, like, as far as like the idea of consent goes, like he's in a good family. He's a well-adjusted. Like, you know, when you're that like fucked over in your life, it's hard to like make decisions at all. You know, like you can't, you can't have a normal relationship with her because she just needs stuff. Like I'm, I'm kind of like, how I felt about the book was I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it was well, well written and it was like there were some good moments of like, you know, genuine human feeling and, and caring and that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't feel like we necessarily had to have her from a terrible position in life. And as someone who um, like. I'm 34 and I have not been a teenager for a very long time. And <laughs> I remember what it was like, but I also am like, that is so far beyond my current point of life, you know, that, that I just can't like, to me, like hearing about 16 year olds, I'm like, oh, you're my child. Like, <laughs> I will take care of you. And then, and then it scares me when like freaking <laughs> Eleanor is like not getting her needs met. She's in an abusive situation that's emotionally, verbally, and sexually abusive that you don't find out until the end, you know? And I'm like, oh, my baby, please, please go find something. Like, please go find, like, I don't know, something. And so, like, it was it was nice that she could, like, she could, like, rely on Park, you know? But at the same time, I was like, I wish you could rely on an adult. I wish you could, like, <laughs> you know, like, have your own room. <laughs> like, I understand this, like, romance stuff. Like, to, to divert all that feelings of need to a romantic partner, I don't think is a good idea, you know? I wish she had a room with a door. I think she had a room with a door. It was just the bathroom that didn't have like a room, uh, a door. But I know that a lot of women who um, 
are from those situations, they do like go into relationships really early and they like latch on to people. And hopefully it's a good person. Like Park was a good person, but a lot of times it's not. So I don't know. It kind of reminded me of that too. Yeah, I kind of wanted her story arc to be like so that she developed sort of in existence where she didn't have to depend on another person. Like she got really into playing the tuba or something. You know, like, <laughs> like she did something just just for her. She was a right? tuba savant. Just for her. Yeah. yeah. Like she just had something that, uh, yeah, because I feel like it, it did feel sort of, you know, that she only had this relationship. And I've had a couple of friends in Indiana where one person kind of saves the other person from a terrible life situation. And I mean, I, I mean, that's great, right? That you can find a relationship that's really strong, but it also creates a strange type of indebtedness in that relationship that I think also like, I just don't think your trauma is erased in the same way. Like on this podcast a lot, we talk about magic vagina, which is if you are a tortured male (laughs) character, you, you, you know, have sex with a woman and it say, and it somehow means you need no therapy for your trauma at all. I love that. I love that we're using zoom on this because then I saw Naomi go, what the fuck? Magic vagina. No. And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, duh. Magic vagina. Yeah. Yeah. I I think sometimes a magic vagina can also just be, I'm so good at sex because everybody falls in love with my vagina. Yeah, you fall in yeah. love right Is after what I you just said sex. about myself. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the fact this is the fact that we're we're usually we just do it over we have a, a phone call, but this time so that you could see Naomi's face when mm-hmm. I say the word vagina. I mean, I did force you onto Zoom and I, I apologize, but at the same time I just made it better. So <laughs> You just reaped what you sowed. <laughs> uh Anyway, but well, yeah, but yeah, she's got a lot of trauma, right? And you would like to see her go and see a therapist about some of these things, as opposed therapist, to send a postcard, to social park, worker. You know? mm-hmm. Like, I don't. The thing is, is that I don't. I also am completely not, um, like educated in this kind of stuff. So I'm like, I don't know what she can do. I don't know what she can do. Like, <laughs> is there anything she can do? Like. Going into the foster system, I heard that that fucking sucks, so I don't know. You're right, there's not a lot of adults in this book. They're at school in most of this book, and I don't, I think there was a couple teachers that Mm -hmm. were mentioned, but they were, like, they didn't really like them. Like, the gym teacher, like, was not supportive. Oh, but the the counselor hugged everybody. Oh, yeah, the counselor. That was a little weird. I was like, Maybe it's just because it's Corona. I'm like, why are you hugging someone? You're just going to get... <laughs> You're yeah. going to die. Um, but then the English You're teacher... You're going to die. You're going to literally die from a hug. <laughs> Which is true nowadays. And that's crazy. Is, am I the only one who's reading books and whenever people like touch each other now, I'm like, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Um, <laughs> is that just me? Okay. Um... Uh, the English, I, she could I have gone it. to the English teacher and the English teacher would have been a mandatory um, reporter all teachers are though I don't know if that was true in the 80s no it's true now I mean I know that in 
in the U.S., our foster care system and child protective service system is not, like, great. Like, that's pretty much what I know about it. It's not great. And I also, like, this reminded me a lot of the, like, it gets better campaign, you know? Like, I never really thought about that before. But, like, saying it gets better to someone is the same kind of thing as saying, just hold out in your shitty-ass position for just, like, a couple more years. Like, that's shitty. That's terrible. It you is. know, like, people shouldn't have to, like, be forced into a situation and just continue to live in it, you know? Like, this, like, really brought home to me, like, the the lack of, just the lack of autonomy that, that teenagers have. Like, I kind of didn't, I never really thought about it that way, but I was just really horrified for her, mostly. And then I was like, oh, yeah, there's some other things going on, like maybe a romance or something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Park was just like normal. He had daddy normal. issues. He His dad wasn't yeah, bad, I would, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Their relationship was a little weird in which. So I was really interested in Park's mom because at one point she mentions the fact that she also grew up in a large family like Eleanor did. And so then she felt like she understood them better. And at that point, Park asked her what her siblings' names were. And she doesn't answer. Like, that's messed up. Like, that kid doesn't know who his aunts and uncles are. Yeah. Like, their their whole relationship is so focused on her fitting in to this Omaha suburb that he doesn't even know the names of his aunts and uncles. Like he knows nothing about his Korean heritage at all. Right? Like it's I mean, that's kind of messed up. Yeah, I mean, I figured it was during the war, right? And he brought her home. It could have been there were some terrible things going on. Maybe they all died. Part of just because I, I used to live there. Well, I lived there like a year. I could see, like, maybe she's in Paris. She doesn't know what happened to them, and she's saving face. Or maybe they didn't approve of the relationship. And so, I don't know. It could be a lot of different things why she's doing that. Yeah. And I know that, like, you lived in the country, but I have watched a lot of 90 Day Fiance before the 90 Days. (laughs) Uh, Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel like gives me a perspective. But anyway, (laughs) there's like, (laughs) you know, like 90 days before the 90 days is like 90 day fiance before the 90 days is like you see where they live. These people from the Philippines or Colombia or like another developing country that you don't really think about that much being American and then you see it and you're like holy hell of course you want to get out of here like you get your water from a tub like your bedroom is just being drenched in water you know like of course she wants to get out do you really blame her for wanting to get out? Do you really blame her for like trying to marry somebody because um because she has a son that she needs to take care of that she can't even take care of herself, you know? Like 
I just like, I come from a very middle class background where I never had to worry about any kind of like issues and this kind of stuff just like floors me, you know? Mm. And I just, (laughs) I just wish that she just had a home. Uh, okay, so another another thing that I had a problem with with Eleanor and Park is that um Okay, so yeah, her his parents are like supportive of Eleanor just hanging out there as much as she can, you know, because they know that her life is shit. But like you could do more, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, you can invite her over to dinner. Whatever. But, uh, like, the thing that killed me the most was, like, his dad when he was, like... So, Eleanor, like, shit hits a fan. Eleanor's like, I need to get out of here. And then Park is like, okay, I'll drive you to your uncle's place in Minnesota when they're living in... Nebraska. Ohio? Omaha. Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. If I were Park's dad, I'd be like, okay, when are we going? Because I would not fucking let them... Let this... This 16-year-old just, like, take a car states away, you know? Like, I I would be like, I am taking her. And you are coming with me if you want. But this is something I'm going to do. I'm going to take a day off of work. And then we're going to go because I care about this person, you know? That's true. I was expecting there was going to be a showdown, too. (laughs) Like, he was just going to go over there and, like punch him out though i will say that's that this was that this was my favorite part of the book which is like when they when he goes he stops him and he's like you know where are you going and and basically he's gonna do and i thought that was the most like teenage thing to do ever is like i'm gonna run away like it's like basically like the ejector seat of teenagehood right well i'll run away like that's the only thing you can do right so he's like they're running away and i love the fact that like his dad like his immediate response was we need a map. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was just really cute. Like, I actually cried a little bit. I was like, thank you, dude. <laughs> like, he's like, I'll go get you. He's like, you need some more money. You know, I thought that that was a really, thought- that was a very thoughtful thing. Then he asked about the stick, which I felt was unnecessary in an already traumatic situation to bring up a traumatic thing. You know, like, I don't know why that was necessary. Yeah, um, the guy's like, plus, her, Park's dad is like, you can take her three states away, but you have to use the stick um car like you have to use a manual because he's been having trouble with the manual i was like i guess and then i guess you can do that magically he knew how to do it (laughs) because he became a man that's what happened he became a man and drew drove a stick drove i was like what other things could he have asked for i was like you could do it if you solve this quadratic equation (laughs) like need to like figure out before like you need to you need to like write this five paragraph yeah. essay that's you're gonna solve this you've riddle been, like uh-huh <laughs> one man always oh. lies and one man always tells the truth and <laughs> then you can save your girlfriend <laughs> then you can save your girlfriend i would just like i don't know i have an overly soft heart for people in bad situations so i'm like she can live with us like (laughs) (laughs) um like she doesn't have to 
she doesn't have to go anywhere. She, I'll just take in a new kid, you know. I feel like this is also the reason why I don't read YA a lot is because every time I put myself in in the situation of whoever is in the show or book or movie or whatever, I am the adult. I am the the parent. <laughs> I'm often the parent that do, people don't even fucking care about, you know, like not like the mom, but like the dad or something <laughs> like you know, like when Twilight came out and everybody was like, I'm team Edward, I'm team, you know, Jason or whatever his name is. I always forget his name. Jacob. Is it Jacob, Jacob or Jacob, Jason? Jacob. It's Jacob. Jacob. Okay. I was team Charlie, which is <laughs> which is <laughs> Bella's dad. I've never heard that before. It's <laughs> just like he just gets the shit stick you like that all the, teams the time. Involve who Bella is supposed to get with, right? Like that is not a team you want to be on. I mean, not like sexual team, like just team. Like I just want to. Like I most identify with this team. Charlie did have to put up with a lot of shit, so he had to put up with a lot of shit, and he was mostly like very nice about it. It's like I I'm a hundred year old vampire. And I'm going to bite your daughter and marry her and turn her into a vampire. And he's like, mm, okay. <laughs> that, I don't think that's how it was, but <laughs> <laughs> similar, similar. <laughs> Basically it. The heart wants what it wants, okay? Yeah, that's true. Bella oh, was very irrational. Were you a twihard? I read the books because I was a young adult when they came out. <laughs> weird and then I remember this is totally off topic but I went to the first movie with my friend at the time and she had never read the books and she loved the movie and I hated it <laughs> I was like why <laughs> suddenly all the things I thought were adorable in the book was really creepy <laughs> made me reevaluate. I have everything. to agree. I read I read the books as well, and I remember that they the first mm -hmm. book. I read the first book, and it is just it makes a lot more logic inside the book than it does when you hear it out loud mm -hmm. on out of context. Yeah, he watched me I sleep. <laughs> um. On this podcast, I make fun of Lana all the time about the fact that she likes Twilight. You like Twilight? And... <laughs> I like the book. The yeah, book. it was a pretty good book. <laughs> Except, um, the last also, book. I tell her that she should she should read Fifty Shades of Grey, and she never does it. You you've never read it? <laughs> I've read it. No. Oh. Do you like it, Naomi? No, I haven't. Um, I felt like they were having sex a lot, and I would rather them get back to the plot when I was reading it. <laughs> I was like, cool, cool, cool. What is the next thing? Oh, they're having sex again? Okay, well, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. <laughs> do -do, do -do, do -do. It's like it's like they're having sex in like the red room or whatever, and Naomi's in the corner just like twiddling her thumbs, like <laughs> I wonder what's on the news. I mean, it, it was like, I don't, it was there was a lot. I was like, is there is this one day? Is this only one weekend? I'm like, you didn't do anything Are you else. Tired? Are you sore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, but um, anyway, back to the book. 
I have not read things about high schoolers in a long time, and this reminded me of how much I don't want to be back. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, pretty much as a life experience. Like I was like, I mean, I don't know. I don't think anyone ever. I never spectated any incredible bullying like this when I was in high school. In my, in my, not so physical, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just by the time I got to high school, I was so, I was so weird at that point, you know, and, and like insulated into my weird group that I don't, I didn't know what happened to normal kids. I was just too weird to even be messed with. So, but I think that, that, that those sorts of things were just like, it's just exhausting what people have to endure in their lives. And just also this book touches on something I think it's important, which is I think this book is trying to deal with fat phobia in its own way. I don't think it does a really Ugh. good way, but I think that it does try and portray a plus size character as lovable, which I think is in some ways admirable, but it definitely shows how much a lot of what she experienced as bullying had to do with her weight, right? That was the thing that made her I think her red hair was also made her different. Like she, they talked about being poor. Yeah, being poor and her outfits. Like she had some. I think um, interesting. You know, when I look back at um, high school and and other situations, it's always weird to me when like, you know, you watch like a high school movie and there's this like obvious abject bullying ab ab. Anyway, I know what you're whatever saying. Whatever that word is, <laughs> bullying. Like it's just like so obvious when like the most I can remember is just I mean in high school kids are more subtle than that, I feel like. It's just it's just it's uh the kind of bullying that I experienced was just like obvious ignoring. Like you do not exist to them. Because you are not worthy of existing to them. And that that kind of was the most that I experienced, which is a very, like, subtle form of that. And the only thing that I could think of that, like, was actual bullying, like, the kind of bullying that they mention in movies like this and TV shows and, and books like this, was really done to, like, the poorest kids, I feel like. It really had nothing to do with what they looked like or who they were or whatever. But I wasn't one of the poorest kids, so I didn't I didn't deal with it. I didn't experience it, you know. But as far as I started reading this book and I was like, oh, I would have stopped it the first chapter. Because she starts talking about her like fatness, and I'm like, do we have to deal with this again? <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure we deal with fatness a lot, especially in YA, you know, because YA is a time in your life where you don't like your body at all, no matter who you are, you know, (laughs) like, and that's possibly the easiest unifier when it comes to writing a book for somebody in a particular age group is like, oh, I don't like my body. You know, and I just I just hate that so much. I hate it was definitely done in a slightly better way than than other YA books that I've dealt with. Like, 
I'm so weird. I'm so clumsy. It still hold held an element of the whole, I'm not attractive until someone tells me I'm attractive, which I hate the whole, the whole, like someday my prince will come thing, you know? I wish just one time, just one time, it would be like some girl is like talking about how she hates her fat rolls. And then she goes, oh, wait, maybe this is an internalized, like self-deprecating thing that I use to like make better my situation of a whole bunch of shitty things that I can't handle that that I have no control over. Because the one thing you do have control over is how you feel about your body, you know? And I feel like that's a lot of that's that's a lot of what happens is that like for instance she she had a lot of shit happening to her and the thing that she could control was just like feeling bad about it, you know? Like I mean as a person who has been fat all my life and has like had my own like um has my own like personal issues and insecurities like that's the one thing that I go back to every single time I feel out of control is like I don't like my body you know and it took me a lot of time and a lot of therapy and a lot of like just like accepting myself to come to the point where I realized Oh, it's just me internalizing. And also that has nothing to do with like whatever's going on in the world. Like, you know, at this point in my life, like it's so deeply ingrained that I will like hit that first, you know, before, before ever going on to like anything of like, you know, like, you know, oh, I, I lost a dollar. I'm fat. I probably lost a dollar because I'm fat, you know, like that's, that's the thing that my brain connects to automatically instead of like, oh, I probably lost a dollar because I didn't put it in my wallet, you know, (laughs) but I just have to recognize it. But it's so deeply ingrained that it doesn't even matter whether or not I think rationally about it, you know. So usually the TLDR about that is that I skip over YA novels <laughs> that, have, <laughs> that have fat problems. Because really, there's, I mean, to be honest, there's no way that they could make me feel that good about it. Like, there's no way where we could deal with fat politics in a way that would make me feel better. Because even the dealing of it is in itself calling out that it's something different. So, it's like... I was always like, why can't we have a a story about a woman who's fat, who has no problems with her fatness whatsoever, lives her life, and then just, like, continues to live her life and have problems that are unrelated to fatness? You know, like, Like, uh, (laughs) can we do that? Like, Fat and Fabulous. Have you seen that show? (laughs) I think it's TLC. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of that. And in related news, my boyfriend just brought me ice cream and brownies. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, that, well, that, well, well, well. Anyway. Did he bring any for the class? 
<laughs> yeah, you when know? am I getting my shipment? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was reading this book, there was like a lot of references to her body. But then there's one, like when she first shows up to the house, Park's house, I remember the dad opened up the door and he was like, oh, you're big red. You'd think you'd be bigger. And I was like, is it just all in her head? Like kind of what you're saying, like maybe her feeling about her body is her, her perspective is her reality. So she just sees herself this way. Maybe other people see her in a different way. And I don't know. I never I never heard Park, you can correct me, like describe her as being big. I will say his brother Josh did describe her very large tits. I mean, you can have big boobs without being really overweight how she thinks she is. I think that in adolescence... I feel like, okay, so in the society, we just lionize uh, thinness. And you're really thin when you're young, you know? Like, when a person goes through adolescence and starts growing and changing, like, that's the heart of a lot of insecurities in general. And also with this added, like, bias against against any kind of fat whatsoever the growing can a lot of times be very like distressing and confusing and scary because you are suddenly becoming without your knowledge without your control which you know in this society a lot of fatness is like apparently as a society we value like self-made people and having control over your body and having control over your situation and so when you when your body changes without your consent (laughs) just because you're growing that is a very scary time to live in this world you know and especially since like I didn't even realize like until I was like 30 something that sometimes kids are chubby because they're going to start growing soon. You know, like I never even really thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how did that, how did that miss my head? You know, like how did that even, (sighs) anyway, so you think that your weight is stationary and your body is stationary and then it changes and that's scary. And so a lot of people internalize it and a lot of people like, you know, see those changes and being, you know, just insensitive in general. Well, just be like, oh, wow, you're fat <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and when they're kids, um, like sometimes but- they, they, it just happens. Like kids just say stuff like uh, they'll observe something and totally not realize that they made like mm-hmm. someone feel a certain way either. Like I see that. Yeah. As a teacher all the time. When when you're a kid and you are learning the world, you like mention differences out loud. Mm-hmm. You know? Or like when like they always talk about this with like non-binary people, like you don't look like a boy. So you're not a boy, you know. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. It's just really a scary time. And instead of like internalizing it, 
maybe we should have like some sort of support system to be like, hey, guess what? Your body's growing and changing. You're not going to be able to do anything about it, but it's fine. That's what I'm going to say to my children. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> they'll probably like it and then they'll be like, mom, stop. <laughs> yeah. People are so weird about their, I don't know, weight is a weird thing. Everybody's weird about it. There, there's this time. There was this time where I would like keep posting stuff about like how, hey, guess what? You're actually not in control of your body weight, and it has so much more to do with genetic factors than anything you ever do to yourself. And this, <laughs> a couple people on my Facebook would be like, yeah, but like, there's some things you can do, right? <laughs> like, needing the like, control. <laughs> yeah, like there's like one thing. You know, there's probably something we just don't know about it yet. You know, that's true. And I feel like different cultures um, treat like how, what you say about your body in different ways. Like, um, so a lot of my students are from different places and different cultures. And I had a student and he was kind of a really big guy and he was from the Philippines and he came here in sixth grade. It was last year. And he was just hilarious. I But he sweat all the time. He had a little rag he carried around. It was a sweat rag. And which is he that was just what he did. But I was I was watching him at the walkathon and there's the running area because I was on the running side and I was like, go, AJ, go, go, AJ. And he's running and goes, I am so fat. <laughs> <laughs> just if that was an insult he's just like an observation to him like he was just like i he's like i gotta keep running <laughs> it's like okay keep going so i don't know i've just i noticed that um being around different kids in different cultures like sometimes they'll say stuff really negative we think about their body or different things that they use in english and that's totally fine with them so i don't know that's just yeah a different thing. Yeah, my friend Rosie, who is of Mexican heritage, she said that her mom used to call her gorda. <laughs> oh no, mundo. Mundo. <laughs> Which means the world. Because she was a chubby kid, so it was like, you're so big, you're the world. That's you know? cute, though. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, it didn't bother me. So I, was, I mean, it was just like a, it was a descriptor. Mm-hmm. You know, but everybody's yeah, and I think like also high in high school, I look back and like, like I used to look at adults like normal adults or like people in college who like were normal sizes and be like, wow, that person like I used to notice how much fatter they were than they were in high school. Just like in college, like not like in a like like I I think it's just like when you're in high school, you get used to everyone is like wafer wafer thin. Uh. And I was like, you get a little bit scared that you're going to get like larger and not realizing that's like a normal sized human. And you're really emaciated because you just spent all of your energy growing six inches. So like, and I just, I feel like the, the, that high schoolers as well have this strange idea of what it looks like to be a human, right? That is not based on like what you're going to eventually look like, right? <laughs> and, but I also want to say, you know. So much of this is about control, too, right? Like, I'm uh, one of my best friends in high school. 
Um, I didn't find out until we were in college had been anorexic for a lot of high school. And it, it had mostly to do with control, like control issues, which relates to this book in which a character, Eleanor, is in is in a, a situation where she has zero control. Right. Like I almost in many ways wanted to see her break up with Park because it would have been the one thing that she truly could have done herself. Right. Mm hmm. Like, I feel like that would have been the arc of Eleanor to be like, yeah, um, we're not going to go out anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it would be in a sense. She, she did she break up with no him. To anything. She ghosted him. She did kind of. She ghosted him. And but then they kind of they kind of make us feel like maybe they got together. But what does it say about our about? I don't know. In YA, it feels like we need to see people get back together, even though, like, we all know those high school relationships are. Yeah, are they gonna get married because they went out in like high school? I mean, I don't know. It seems it seems much more likely to me today than it did at in being a high schooler. Like the idea that somebody would stay together forever to me was highly unlikely. You know, even though I do know people who who were like dating in middle school and are married now. You know. I, I mean, anybody. like me and Nia. I don't know anybody. Our parents, oh. our parents were but in high they, school. They didn't. They didn't go out in high so school. They went out after high school. Cause don't you know the story? They they liked each other, but they didn't go out. And then they went to college. And then grandma. No, no, no. They dated for a little bit, and then mom dumped dad. <laughs> what? She did not tell me this. <laughs> No, because she dumped him. I can see that as mom. She just wasn't into it. (laughs) But then, anyway, they got back together. And then after, in yeah, well, yeah, they got back together. This is like this is like piecing together a parents' (laughs) romance. And they got back together after college, or like at the end of college, when when dad's mom like basically set them up again, invited her over to dinner, (laughs) and then they nearly broke up. I think during during that period because dad didn't want didn't want to agree that they were a couple your dad (laughs) it's okay he's a great guy our dad is a great guy (laughs) but apparently he wasn't like ready for that and so mom like walked out and like basically like moved (laughs) but then that's fantastic uh, yeah, I, I'm so sure about this. I'm, I I shouldn't be saying this on the thing because if I'm wrong, I'm gonna have to bring this up in next oh, podcast. Well, yeah, because da- your call dad is gonna be on the podcast. I know. I thought he, he was oh, gonna yeah. be here today. I fully thought he was reading the same book. No, no, no. He's coming back for a romance one, which is gonna be hilarious. Because like you own the book, I also so. own the other book. <laughs> choose uh, <laughs> alana has spent a lot of time just thinking about this and ha- in a serious way okay. so we're I, all happy yeah, with the I, results so it's fine meanwhile <laughs> me and dad are calling each other going why is this so complicated <laughs> does she talk to you about this why is this so weird <laughs> alana alana brainstormed with me at least two or three times about when the best well, situation you guys would be. both wanted to read the same book. And then I was like, but that's too many people for the podcast. Yeah. Like, that's just well, last time I, I was here with Susanna, that's four people. But then we were in the same room. So. That was too many people. 
That was too many people. I think maybe Suzanne is like too many people in general. (laughs) (laughs) She's a loud person. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to lie. So the house that I put an offer on is just down the street from Susanna's. And um, our father goes, yeah, you can hear her from there. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. My oldest sister is loud, too. <laughs> yeah. Her husband says that when she gets drunk, he's when we hang out and she gets drunk. I mean, we're all getting drunk, but <laughs> Paul will stop her and go, "You're shaking the rafters, dear." <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how loud she is. But I guess she has like one of her ears. She can't hear very well out of one of her ears. I guess. Oh. Well, that no, makes no. more sense. Susanna's just, just a loud person. <laughs> I I think this happened. Susanna's in... just like, yeah, Susanna's just loud. Like she's just like a lot of energy. Like everything she does has an exclamation point. I think so. I come from a family of two older sisters, and you guys have a brother and then three sisters. That's the yeah. order, right? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. my oldest sister is loud. And my theory my theory is that my older sister is loud. My middle sister gets louder just to just to be heard over my older sister. <laughs> and then I just like just like tap out the entire thing cuz there's no way there's no way to get over like loud and then louder and then like even louder, you know. Ours is like, like Susanna's really loud. I feel like a lot of you might be like in between that, and then I'm really quiet. Yeah, I feel like you're the person that like doesn't talk, and then later is like the person that actually has the conversation that needed to. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I listen. I listen. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> As a kid, I thought I was an, an introvert. But it ends up that I was just slightly less extroverted than everyone else <laughs> in our house. It's for Naomi who's an introvert. But yeah, everyone else is like an extrovert in that group. Mm-hmm. And so like I just was like the least extroverted in the group. It's all relative. And then I met actual people who were actual. That's <laughs> an introvert. Yeah, yeah. that's true. You're not an introvert, Alana. I think it's just that you're entirely organized. A lot of extroverts are not organized. I'm in, so you're an organized extrovert. I'm a disorganized introvert. Yeah, I'm the opposite. <laughs> Naomi's very determined, though, as a person. She's like, this is what we're going to do. Only sometimes. <laughs> and this is how it's going to happen. My favorite story was like, when you were when you were all on the phone together um with with Susie as well. Um you said that Alana like planned out the the trip to to go to go see Alana and told you all of the things that you should do and bring and the itinerary and Susan was like, yeah, I didn't read that. And then Naomi was like, I read it, but I didn't listen. <laughs> I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> and I was like, that would be me too. <laughs> like, just like not doing it. <laughs> I mean, you should bring a hat. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, we had to buy new shoes because I hat. didn't bring the right shoes. And Alana had told me like, 
you need to wear like good shoes. It's going to be rainy. And I was like, yeah, I'll just wear what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Weather patterns are bullshit. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I think it was like I told you guys it was going to be windy in Chicago, like the windy city. And like I brought a hat and then no one else brought a hat. And then Susanna was going like, like putting her hands over. Yeah. We didn't believe you. We're just like, whatever. Yeah. It's not like we live in a place that's just moderate all the time. We're like, we're not used to like extremes of any sort. (laughs) We're like, it's too hot. It's too cold. We freak out. Yeah. No, for sure. But, yeah, I'm 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 happy to have siblings though. Matt doesn't have siblings, and it's like having a group of humans that like you just automatically have to like follow the life of, you know, like you're always like as a group, like you still have this dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and people who don't have siblings, they don't they don't have that sort of like evolving relationship. Yeah, as like. It's also a funny thing of like, we have so many genes in common, you know, like sometimes that bothers me of like, do we have like too many genes in common? (laughs) Like, like we're very different people, but are we going to like end up the same, you know? But at the same time, it's like, like, my sisters are the only people who I share so many genes with you know and genes make up so much more than any any kind of like nurture situation you know so i'm like hey but you. there's also just being <laughs> yeah. there's also being also being raised by the same yeah family, yeah right? like, yeah that is the same mannerisms. i mean and in, in our family we have both right because me and all on our full blood siblings and then our other two are, are not related to us so it's interesting, mm-hmm. like, this type of things that me and Alana share, just, like, automatically. And then there's other things that I'll see in my siblings. Like, we all answer the phone the same way. <laughs> that was what I was going to say. We all answer the phone the exact same way. Yeah. That's funny. Like, in the same tonation. Hello. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, we do it the same way. And we, like, we make the same references mm-hmm. and the same jokes. Yeah, we have very similar senses of humor. We both all we all like olives because because uh, I hate olives. Was it Grandpa Barnes would come back with mm-hmm. like olives? Yeah, from California mm-hmm. with a big old thing of olives. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um. Do you guys have a lot of like birth order differences? Because I feel like my sisters and I have a lot of birth order differences. Of like. Our parents are really strict. Uh, mm-hmm. No, they didn't give a shit. <laughs> That's kind of how it feels like. I mean, like Becky, our old, my oldest sister, kind of like broke in my parents of like they were really strict, and then after Becky, they were just like, "It's fine, you know, <laughs> whatever you want to do." <laughs> um. In our family, I would say, like, just because Danny, our oldest brother, had all these problems with drugs and dropping out of high school, things were super strict for Susanna, mm-hmm. who was the next kid to get up, like, super strict in ways that she's still kind of annoyed about. Oh, yeah, about. for sure. Mom um, thought she was, like, drinking, and she's allergic to alcohol. Like, <laughs> she never... She wasn't allowed to use a phone unless it was on a cord, yeah. you know? 
Like, yeah. Um, our, and then as they were less strict with me, and then they were even less strict. They wouldn't pick me up from dance practice. They were just like, you'll find your way home. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have to make rides in high school. Um, and then uh, I remember we had an exchange student, and she wanted to go downtown all the time. And my mom was very strict about, like, you need to be home before it's dark. At the same time, I was like, hey, I'm going to my friends at, like, 9 p.m. She's like, okay, goodbye. Like, <laughs> she's like, you barely do anything. So when you go out, I'm like, cool. <laughs> That's pretty much it, too. Like, my parents, like, maybe had to worry about the fact that my friend, one of my best friends was Jared, who's a guy, but so gay. So gay. And they were like, after a while, they were like, yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> You know, like, at first they were like, you have to keep the door open in the bedroom. And then after a while, they, it's just, it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, like, ask my sisters now about, like, anything that I got that they didn't get, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, Wendy got everything. Oh, she's so spoiled, you know, <laughs> all the time. That would be very accurate for Susanna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i remember that she was very annoyed she had to save money for her boom box and i think i just <laughs> a boom box I oh think, yeah they're just like we're gonna go out and buy you a boom box and it's like, cool. <laughs> that's funny though i mean honestly i mostly use my boom box to listen to like i check out one of those great courses um, on like CD, uh-huh. <laughs> like listen to that. <laughs> you don't listen to rap music. No, it wasn't like our older brother Danny. Like I had this really visceral memory of this one um song he would listen to over and over and over again mm-hmm. when he was in high school, and it started with like two gunshots. It was like, and he would just play the beginning over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> so it was like. <laughs> And I just remember it over and over and over again. And apparently no one I else I do not remember it. this at all. Nope. Yeah. My room was right next to his, too. <laughs> <laughs> I used to sneak in and steal his candy. Yeah. Important thing. My sister had, a, like, a bowl for smoking weed in her room for years. And I regularly snuck into her room and snooped. And I had no idea what that was <laughs> until like later. She was like, yeah, you know, that turtle that I had that was like a bowl for smoking. I was like, what? <laughs> I thought it was just a pretty turtle. Mind blown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, family's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Do you do you find yourself doing things that your parents do? Yeah. That you just you never really like <laughs> thought that you were gonna do them and then suddenly it's like the occasion arises and you do exactly what they would do? Um that happens to me. I will <laughs> I will call them and they will tell me what to do and then I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> like for instance, like I'm I'm dating this guy and you know he's like living with me and 
apparently my first response for every situation where a significant other lives with me is like exactly what my parents would do. You know, like I gave him the job of taking out the garbage because that's the job that my dad has. You know, like, <laughs> of course it makes that sense. You know, it's handed down from man to man. <laughs> All men must yeah. take out the garbage. Okay. Yeah. And then I, like, stopped and I was like, wait a minute. That's not necessarily true. I've been taking out the garbage all of my life. <laughs> Living alone for years and years, taking out my own garbage. And suddenly I'm like, ah, oh, he didn't take out the garbage. <laughs> I don't know if like there's any of that. And our parents are just really chill. Well, okay. I think I've seen a little bit. Our mom is very much in charge of, like, the schedule in most things. Like, she'll just be like, so we're doing this. And my dad will be like, okay. (laughs) She's just very much in charge. And I feel like just thinking of Alana and Matt, I mean, sometimes you'll make the decision. I don't know. Maybe? I am still the social secretary. Yeah. she's. I mean, she's the social secretary of everyone in the world. I mean, I do, like, in terms of personality. In many ways, mm-hmm. I mean, she, quite she's our social secretary for this podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, like literally, I have like eight jobs. <laughs> no, I, I make, yeah, and I think it's a similar thing in that, like Matt's like, what are we doing? And I'm like, we're doing this, and then in in the same way, and in like that way of also like where mom doesn't make dad go to everything. I also like strategically decide. <laughs> What things I'm gonna make Matt do? <laughs> you know, like so. And I actually, I was thinking when you said that, I have said if I'm with a large group, like one thing my mom says is, "Let's move it on out," like to say, like everyone get in the car. I have said that before. To be like, everyone needs to go. It's like it's like a like, weird we verbal time capsule of like you say it out loud, and you didn't know you were gonna say it, and then suddenly you're eight years old. Like, dealing with a completely different situation, you know? Mm-hmm. My best friend just had a baby, and I find myself saying to her all the time, that baby needs a hat. All the time. <laughs> that's what my mom... <laughs> that's something that my our mom says quite a bit. To actually that yeah. same baby. That and same she baby. still refuses to put a hat on him. I don't know. That's Come terrible. On. That baby's gonna die. My my mom literally put out on a, a Facebook comment that said that baby needs help. <laughs> like she has some. And then I catch myself saying it, and <laughs> and then I'll say mm. right after I'm like, oh god, I, I sound like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I said that. <laughs> Sometimes there's things where I say to jacket, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I said that. <laughs> it just came out. Okay, <laughs> most of the time it's like some weird. Like, I have this habit of asking some weird lead-on statement question of, like, so you're doing that? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And then he's like, yeah. Thank you for observing it and making it into a question. (laughs) And then I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, family. So so anything else we want to talk about in terms of Eleanor and Park and why? It was cute. I don't like that 
politics and I identify more with parents than children. Mm. That is my full summary. Yeah. I feel it was hard to read parts of it just because of like how traumatic you, you knew from the outside. Like that's not an okay thing to happen to you. <laughs> like you should do yeah. something about that. And it was like, it was like the emotional thing of like slowly pulling off a bandaid. You're like, stop. Yeah. But, um, I'm pleasantly surprised. This has been on my to read list for a while. Don't think I'll read more YA. It's not really my thing. Um, I also don't want to read YA because, like, this whole theme of abuse was going to happen. Like, it was just going to, it was going to happen, you know? And I also, like, at, at some situations, I was like, you wanted to push it harder, but you couldn't. And in some situations, I was like, do we even have to do this? Like, maybe she has, like, a nice family. Or just, like, a poor family, but it's fine. Yeah, a lot of YA yeah, I feel like, like either their family is abusive or they're finding themselves or, like, it usually has some terrible backstory involved in the characters. Yeah, I don't do that shit. And there's usually, like, death. Yeah, orphans. Like mm-hmm. It's kind of like how yeah. you should not watch movies about... um animals because you know that animals can die like homeward bound or something those animals do not die <laughs> also okay i have one last question what is up with these ya novels where the kids are gonna die like every kid's got cancer or like they've got some weird disease where they can't touch each other it's it's or... like a crying like you just want to like cry it's like i want to say like it's people who want to be yeah. devastated by like a novel. Like that's a like that's a key success yeah. metric, which is obviously like as romance novel readers in this podcast, no, no. we yeah. don't want to be devastated. Like, I don't want to be devastated. Such a good book, I cried. Like you'll hear that. Fuck that. Like you'll just you'll just cry. I don't want to cry. This is not no. This is not a thing I want to do for I my want, book. I want like people to be healed. Yeah. By talking and. Magic vaginas. That's what I want. <laughs> I want people that have the ability to turn into badgers. <laughs> and... I think um, one of the things... And a couple of ma- mages. We need a couple of mages. Yeah, mages. You know? and, um... and also, I feel like there was a quote from you at one point where you said, I want more hi-fi, more victory sex and descriptions of, of hats. <laughs> That's what you want. <laughs> and I was like, victory sex and descriptions of hats is what I want as well. That's a very specific type of book. Well, it was a historical romance. Of so course. I descriptions mean, of hats is very important. But now I'm thinking, I've read a lot of historical romance. And uh, I, don't, I don't know how many description of hats I've read. Not many. So I guess there needs to be more. <laughs> You're reading the there wrong needs to be books. More. That's the problem. Representation matters. And hats. <laughs> <laughs> Representation of hats, specifically. Do you ever I think that's read what a that book and you say, that lady needs a hat? <laughs> 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 oh my god, we found the root cause. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. All right, final take. What what about you, Naomi? Do you think you'll read another Rainbow Rowell? Um, cool name, by the a, way. There's another book that she wrote called Fangirl that I would read. 
because I've heard good things and it kind of I actually accidentally read the sequel to it and it was really confused because it was about characters mm. that this girl was writing about. I was like, this makes no sense. So <laughs> I think it would make more sense if I read the first book. Um, But I, I mean, I liked it, but I felt like I was too old for it because all the angst was just like, I was so far removed from it. Um, But I'm glad I read it because now I can tell the other Naomi that I read it. <laughs> so yeah and she'd yeah. be like i had a baby what the hell i don't care <laughs> i know i also have a doctor you're like we both did something great this year you know it's equally great <laughs> equally <laughs> that is funny also what do you think she said on that postcard so okay so backstory she is taken to minnesota or whatever and she stops talking to Park and, like, doesn't respond to anything that he sends her. And then Park gets his postcard in the mail that has three words on it. What do you think it says? Uh, I'm going to be, really gushy. I love you. I think it says I, think I it love says, you. I think it says I miss you. Wait, what? Because, yeah, because that's you. what they said to each other. They're like, I miss you. I think it said, no fucking duh. <laughs> like, go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah i i think just because just because she never says i love you like i think or well good job park for getting closure on your first freaking relationship why why would he feel lifted from something it would it must have been something he really wanted i don't know maybe it could be i'm better now that's true maybe it's better w slash o u Better without you. Without is one word. Yeah. Oh, but I, okay, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Maybe it's um, I'm better now. That's what mm-hmm. I said. That's what Naomi no, I, said. I agree. It probably. That's what Naomi be. said, oh, and you just took it. Oh no. Okay. I don't care. Well, I don't care what she said. That's the fairy part, fairy I, tale part where she he actually gets closure. Yeah. of a relationship yeah yeah i don't i don't know what she could have possibly said i guess that's why it ended the way it did mm-hmm. next month we are reading ghost horror 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 okay horror horror not whore <laughs> maybe, maybe whore and i gave i gave wendy two different choices and she told me to choose one, so I have chosen The Other Side of Midnight. Sweet. And I'm going to read a little bit about it. London, 1925. Glamorous medium, Gloria Sutter, made her fortune helping the bereaved contract loved ones killed during the Great War. Now she's been murdered at one of her own seances. After leaving a message requesting the help of a former friend and sole rival, Ellie Winter. Ellie doesn't contact the dead, at least not anymore. She specializes in miraculously finding lost items. Still, she can't refuse the final request of one of the only other true psychics she has ever known. Now Ellie must de- must delve into Gloria's secrets and plunge back into the world of hucksters, lowlifes, and fakes. Worse, she cannot shake the attentions of the handsome James Hawley, a damaged war veteran who has dedicated himself to debunking psychics. As Ellie and James uncover the sinister mysteries of Gloria's life and death, 
Ellie is tormented by the nightmarish visions that have heralded the grisly murders of those in Gloria's circles. And in Ellie's uneasy partnership with James turns dangerously intimate, an insidious evil force begins to undermine the quest for clues, a force determined to bury the truth and whoever seeks to expose it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Horror. So, murder horror it's going to be also a mystery it sounds like mm -hmm. and skeptic and a, a wounded warrior a damaged oh. warrior damaged yes. wounded <laughs> you gotta have the wounded warrior this because makes me think that there's an alliteration <laughs> she's gonna fix him by having sex with him yes <laughs> i'm so glad yeah, that you understand is. that <laughs> trope took now. me a minute <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's really gonna, you know, and he thought he would find him the truth, but really he just found love. He found love, which is the truth. It's true love. Which is the truth. <laughs> it's true love. <laughs> it's true. Oh, that's only funny because at the same time, Wendy also had like her, her, her eyebrow up like, it's true, <laughs> true love. So serious. <laughs> true, true love. All right. So we're going to we're going horror next next month. Thank you, Naomi. For being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having Thank me. You. Second, second. <laughs> yeah, last time you were on here yeah. with Susanna, so now we get to hear your voice. I felt like last time I just <laughs> giggled the whole time. I think because remember Susanna had the sound machine. I was just laughing because just when she you did. weren't there, but you should have seen Alana's face every time she pulled it out. Like, stop ruining my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that would make me laugh too <laughs> it was not well she just kept on doing it like she made the joke and she just like every single time i would ask her what she thought of the book because she had not read the book oh yeah she, i read the book and i just told her about it on the plane <laughs> and still she just wasn't <laughs> that's great what a trooper. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Getting Lit, available monthly on iTunes. For extra bonus features for this episode, you can visit gwenwendy.com slash gettinglit, where you can also read more about Wendy. You can follow Alana on Twitter at Library and Alana. What's the best type of romance novel? The trashy kind. Yay! Mm. <laughs> All right. Vienna Lana's podcast, Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary, woo!